Hi there, welcome, and thank you for tuning in. My name is Jason Shoulder, and this is Learning to Fail. People are complicated, and I know a lot of complicated people. My guest for this episode is yoga teacher and physical therapist, Ryan Conrad. He died yesterday. I haven't fully processed this loss. This morning, I joined a group of close friends on his porch, gathered in silence, waiting for his body to be transferred out of the house and into a hearse. Vedic ragas filled his home with transcendent primordial sound, easing the soul's transition from embodiment onward toward whatever comes next. Through the glass door, you could see his body, frail and dressed in white, bald from the chemo and stiff with rigor mortis. He looked beautiful, wise, and at peace. Ryan died way too young, but surrounded by people he loved. I'm aware that might sound cliche, but when you witness it firsthand, you realize it's not. Ryan was a uniquely wonderful being. He touched many people's lives. Some of those people showed up to see his body for the last time. He leaves behind a young wife and a two-year-old son. I can't even imagine what this boy will grow up to be like, but if he's anything like his father, the world has a wonderful gift coming. While waiting for Ryan's body to be removed, all I could see were his feet. They were the feet of a yogi. As they wheeled his physical body onto the porch and away, we all joined together in an acapella version of Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, the only gospel song I know. This is a special episode, and I don't feel comfortable soiling it by petitioning donations for learning to fail. However, there's a college fund set up for Ryan's son, Harper Reed. Details can be found on our website, learningtofailpodcast.com, on the episode page dedicated to Ryan. If you feel inspired to donate after hearing this conversation, please consider contributing to Harper's College Fund. This was an exceptionally profound interview for me. Ryan was someone who loved life, and that comes through beautifully during our talk. I miss him already, but knowing I can revisit one of the most enjoyable discussions I've ever had with anybody gives me something meaningful I can return to when I need it. And on that note, let's get into my conversation with Ryan. It kind of bit me in the ass when I moved here because I thought that everyone was disconnected until I like started dating everyone in town. <laughs> That's one realized, way to find out who knows each other. Everybody was completely connected. And it took me about, about four months to like discover, oh wait, you all know each other. Oh my God, that's and, funny. Yeah, exactly. I had an experience like that one time where I was, I was set up with this woman, you know, uh -huh. like introduced or whatever. And we went out and, um, and you know, we went on a couple of times and I thought it went, I don't know, I thought it was going better than it was, which is an easy way to feel. Yeah. And, um, but there was one day where I was like, before we'd actually met, where I was Facebook messaging her. Uh -huh. And then this other woman who I'd met at a party, who I wasn't sure if I was interested in or not, but she was totally cool. Yeah. 
um, you know, she and I had made plans to hang out, but it was like, it took, I don't know, five weeks between meeting her and when we were going to actually get together. Yeah. And it ended up that that was like going to be the same weekend, <laughs> you know, like my date that I was supposed to have was on a Friday. And then this other one that I'd been kind of, you know, working on for five weeks was happening on Sunday. <laughs> right. And there was a moment where I was Facebook messaging both of them simultaneously and caught myself saying things that were kind of similar. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then, but like I had noticed that they are Facebook friends. Yeah. You know, and occasionally like one would post the others, whatever, you right. know, promote the other's event or something like that. So when the shit went down and it, you know, fell apart, which is always the case for me. <laughs> um, and it's always dramatic, unnecessarily dramatic. You know, uh, the woman who I'd been set up with was sort of like, well, I, I'm, I wasn't, under the impression that we were exclusive or anything. Right. You know? I mean, I figured you were dating other people because you went on a date with a really good friend of mine. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, right. oh, never again, man. Well, and you know, I, I moved here in 99. And so this was pre like Friendster, you know, like and, oh, right, and yeah. pre MySpace and, and uh, of course Facebook. And so like, it, I, I feel like doing that sort of like, interlinking and connecting is something that's possible now that just wasn't you know oh, wasn't yeah. at all possible then yeah so i mean now you can see like oh okay this person's off because they like have eight people that i've dated on their friends list right. <laughs> you know or anything like that where before it was just like mysterious i uh i saw this great photo of um a fish festival like uh that i was actually at in like the late 90s uh and uh, and, and it, the info board, the message board was just like covered, you know, and is everybody like trying to like hook up with people to like sell them drugs or like have sex or like whatever it was. Really? And it was just like plastered with with things. And it was it was basically our, our cell phones. You know, I mean, this message, board, but it was right, right, right. You know, but now it's it just little, little message, you yeah. know, messages and just, yeah, posted up there. And it was like, wow. This is crazy because I was resistant to get a cell phone for a really long time. Like, oh, really? I didn't. Yeah, I was. I was actually one of the latter, you know, kind of holdouts, like the Amish, like <laughs> you know, phone people, where I was just like, nope, I just want a house line. And then, uh, and then, you know, the floodgates kind of broke open, and I, I hopped on board. But it took a while. Yeah, I got a phone as soon as it was affordable. Yeah. In air quotes, because it was like $75 for 400 minutes. And yeah. at the time, that yeah. was a steal. Yeah, right. You know? And it was like, they would charge you by the minute and you could, and there was a, a counter uh -huh. on how many minutes. And I'd be talking <laughs> to someone, I'd be like trying to wrap it up before the next minute. And then if I didn't wrap it up, I'd be like, well, fuck it, we got another minute. Yeah, we'll we just keep talking. We'll just and then like the next minute I'd be trying to wrap up. And, and usually they're in the middle of a sentence and you can't cut them off. I'm like, man, this call has cost me a fortune. <laughs> yeah. You know, and invariably you end up getting off the phone like, five seconds after yeah, it clicks onto the next over. minute, yeah. you know? So I have kind of the same uh, phenomenon about buying gas. Uh -huh. my, my father is in just ridiculous about gas. I mean, my dad will spend money driving somewhere to get cheaper yeah, gas. He'll like, like... My, when my parents got divorced, <laughs> yeah. my mother's biggest thing about being divorced was like, I finally won't have to drive across town to save a nickel a gallon on gas. <laughs> right. Like that yeah. was her main motivation for getting out of the marriage. And <laughs> So I have inherited this neurosis from my father. 
And you what happens? It, huh? Oh, I totally do it. I don't do it. Well, okay, here's the thing. I don't quite do that, but I make note of where gas is inexpensive. Yeah, sure. And so I try to, to get it at those places when I can. I, but what invariably happens is I run out of gas in front of the most expensive gas station around yeah, exactly. and end up the paying, one over by Biltmore for whichever <laughs> one, yeah, right? Exactly. You know, yeah, it's like it doesn't matter what town I'm in. Yeah, like this is happening. You will to me. be in front of the yeah. really expensive gas. Yeah, station. I mean, I physically ran out of gas twice in L.A. <laughs> and in a truck filled with furniture that I was delivering, you know, I like rolled off the highway and then I, the guy who was working for me had to jump out and push the car. <laughs> and one time it happened when I was alone. I don't remember. Somehow I got into a gas station. I mean, there's always people around to help in L.A., but oh, my God. Yeah. What a mess. I, uh, I took a uh, it was a sustainable development class and they uh, the teacher was it was a you know, we had this component on sustainable transportation and and he he was like you know the best way to save gas is only fill your gas tank up halfway, because the extra weight from the rest of the uh, the you know the more your car weighs the less energy efficient it is. Okay. So he would only fill it up halfway because he was convinced that you know if you only fill it up you lose you know 120 pounds worth basically another passenger. Right. So you become all this energy efficient more energy efficient if you only fill your car up halfway. And, I don't know uh, if I believe that. No, I, I, with the amount of times that you like have to go get gas now because yeah. you're out. He he was adamant about it. Yeah, but I, I don't do it. Yeah, it, it's I something that always that. stuck with me and, and yeah. at least crosses my mind. I have a friend who has the opposite phenomenon where he never wants to have less than half a tank of gas yeah. in his car. Yeah. So I mean, I'm like, dude, you're you live in a town where if you drive 20 minutes, you've left town. Like you're never <laughs> more right. than three minutes from yeah. a gas station. Exactly. That's you might insanity. as well have an electric car. Yeah. <laughs> you can just like plug in. Yeah. So you can plug go. it in at Earth Fair uh, and yeah. wherever the four places that you yeah, go. Yeah, you go and go. Right. <laughs> All of exactly. which are next to a gas station. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. No, it's funny. I mean, everyone's, man, we've all got our craziness. That yeah. is for sure. Yeah. I've got my quirks. Yeah. What's your yeah. favorite quirk about yourself? Um, okay. Let me, let me rephrase it. What's your wife's? <laughs> well if, she, if i were to ask her what's your favorite quirk about ryan what would it be you know I, I i i get pretty ocd like the house doesn't have to be completely spotless or clean necessarily but organized because the way in which my brain works if if things aren't with like things and and preferably color-coded like i <laughs> uh, i i kind of lose my mind a little bit and my organizational process and I, it, it it pisses me off when i lose things really badly you know and so I, I i become very like you know not to the point where i have to like touch the light switch five times or whatever but like right. ocd like about you know things being with like things and so you know i mean i will we'll be doing something completely different completely off base you know, and I will just have to stop and like organize things, you know, to this place where, um, you know, we filmed uh, this dog food commercial over our house and like the guy comes over and, and he's like, you know, we should probably mess up the house a little bit. So it looks like more like somebody. <laughs> Not my here. house. You picked the wrong <laughs> yeah. house, buddy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is what it looks this like is, when I live when, here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this this was not for you guys. Yeah. This is like for my sanity. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. It might look like someone else lives here. Yeah, right. Yeah. My daughter is very organized, which is so great for me because yeah. I'm super organized. I'm not, 
I don't know. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm personally clean. My personal hygiene's good and all that stuff. But I, you know, I, my house, I think it always looks a little bit cleaner than it is, uh-huh. you know, <laughs> and because uh, I don't deep clean. Like I yeah. don't, I would just don't do that. Yeah. You know, I was spoiled. I was raised with housekeepers, not like living maids, but you know, just sure. someone who comes in every couple of weeks and cleans. So I just think that's normal. So I do that, but I can't quite afford every couple of weeks. Right. So my house is as clean as I can afford for it to be. Yeah. In addition to the fact that there's certain things I just refuse to deal with. Um, so anyway, but my daughter has really become organized and like she'll <laughs> go into all the cabinets and reorganize everything. That's or, beautiful. You know, or the fridge. I don't love the fridge because then it's open for half yeah, an hour. Right, but, right. but, you know, I'll be like, Sula, what have I told you about the fridge? She's like, Daddy, I'm organizing. I'm like, okay. <laughs> That's all she has to say. Yeah. It's like, she could say, but daddy, I love you. But she, daddy, I'm organizing. Uh, yeah. Same effect. The same for everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to my mom actually, um, cause my mom lives with us now, which is, you know, this kind of strange thing at 37 to have my mom living there at the house with us. And, and, uh, she was talking about me cleaning up my, you know, they made me clean up my toy room. And, uh, and I, I went that she went in and from her explanation of this, basically I'd set up this whole base, like museum display of all of my toys, you know, set them up in like war scenes and everything. And, you know, and, and everything was, was immaculate, but just completely, you know, set up in this huge, uh, display of everything that I owned. And, uh, yeah. And that was me at like four years old or something. So it's definitely something that's been, it goes way back ingrained. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I know when I, I mean, I don't know if this is part of the same gene, but when I was I'm pretty young, four or five, my grandparents, who were from Switzerland, showed up with literally like a trunk full of Legos, just loose Legos. Like, like they just gone like to every to Goodwill in town and just thrown the Legos <laughs> in one box, you know? And I used to build these like little mini warehouses. I would just build these <laughs> rectangles and I... And I was really into making them structurally strong. I was into crossing the leg. Uh-huh. I was like, and uh, and my grandfather was just looked at him. He's like, not very creative, is he? <laughs> <laughs> and so, but I don't know. I mean, like, I really wonder what that was about. You yeah. know, I mean, my family was falling apart. Was I trying to create stability? Yeah, like, sure. I've looked back on it and yeah. tried to think, like, what was that? You know, because I was always really interested in what would hold it together. Yeah. And I wasn't paying that much attention to what it looked like. Although to <laughs> me, it was fine. Like I was, right. it was very much about like the perfection of it. On on my wife and I's first date, well, it was maybe our second or third, I cleaned her kitchen. <laughs> no wonder she married you. Yeah, <laughs> That's going to go either way. Yeah, right. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I know. I In retrospect, it, it definitely could have gone either way. It could have been <laughs> really poorly or really good. And and thankfully it went it went good but like her mom came over while i was cleaning her kitchen and she like, probably texted her yeah <laughs> exactly mom you got to see this <laughs> yeah right. this is i a- got this guy <laughs> he's like just tell me like should yeah. i end it or yeah. marry him we we haven't slept together yet right. but it's like, not too late to yeah, get out exactly <laughs> <laughs> so oh lord yeah. yeah i mean like if i took you up if i took you up to my closet <laughs> um all of my clothes I have all these different color hangers, uh-huh. not on purpose, only because whenever I would go back to the store, I couldn't find the same yeah. thickness hanger and the same sure. color, and it drives me crazy. And 
The other thing that drives me crazy is they used to make these thin plastic hangers oh, yeah. and these thick plastic hangers, and now they've gone with just the middle of the road plastic hanger. And it's not quite heavy duty enough for like jeans and heavy yeah. stuff, and it's way too heavy duty for need a t shirt, you know? Yeah. So, need wood hangers? Yeah, yeah I, I can't afford wood yeah. hangers. Um, <laughs> That's where I hang all my nice clothes. Yeah, I have, got, we have like, my hierarchy of clothes. Oh, your hierarchy of clothes? Let's so, go on the wood yeah, ones. Exactly. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. All my winter clothes. Yeah. Like the hall, the hall right. closet that yeah. where guests put things, those yeah. are all wooden Let's hangers. Get wooden. Yeah. But the bedroom, no. Yeah. But, you know, my work I've clothes. i rid of all the wire. So. Yeah, no, I don't have yeah. any wire hangers. Yeah. Please. Yeah. Please. <laughs> but uh, my like work clothes are on one color and my. Like my and my my other T-shirts that I wear, like this one, which is where a casual that I'd wear that's still clean, basically, yeah. um, and not ripped. That's on a different color hanger, <laughs> and then like my short sleeve button downs are on one color, my long sleeve button downs are another <laughs> color. Just because I, you know, since I have them all, yeah. I feel the need to have it mean something. Yeah. Uh, well, it's 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 strange because you know, I'm basically newly retired at 37, you know, and so I don't have any sort of delineation of of clothes anymore <laughs> everything <laughs> you know, every, everything is everything casual. is everything yeah yeah exactly there's really no i mean there's very few things that i have to like dress up for or like wear specific clothes for you know and, and i mean one of the things about physical therapy that like kind of drove me nuts is is the khakis and polos that right, like, right, right. is kind of the status quo to wear you know, and I, I kind of escaped that and skirted around it for the most part. But like you look at my closet and they're like, OK, that's that's the clothes that you don't mind getting shit on or puked on or like, you know, some oh, other right. thing. Because, you know, because that's know, what happens there. Yeah, because I work in a hospital. And, and so, you know, I mean, it's 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 rough. You know, you're working with people who have, you know no continence you're working with people with cognitive issues you're working with people who like who have maybe been in bed for you know a month or two and things like that and uh -huh. you're you're getting up close and personal like in their business and so this whole like section of of clothing for me i'm 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 not quite ready to throw it away yet but it'll be a good day when it does go away right <laughs> you yeah, know because it's, like... it's like i just have to like get rid of like all this like stuff you know but like for the most part i just go out and you know i can wear shorts and t-shirt pretty yeah. much everywhere i want to go i mean knowing you as i don't know you that well but it, i feel like you got dressed up for me oh thanks <laughs> you, you look pretty good <laughs> this, you know? i mean this is this is what i wore to go over to the tea shop <laughs> uh, well yeah <laughs> but, so you're out in public yeah. you got your yeah, out in public exactly. clothes. yeah i've got my out of public clothes right. yeah uh, I've, I've noticed though you know being being a yoga teacher i've got a uh, healthy selection of short shorts right you know and i've started wearing those out in public like your which, uh, younger diaper shorts uh no not the younger diapers i don't wear those but i'll wear like track shorts you know oh with my like God, i haven't with like the mesh netting for my balls and like you know <laughs> and like <laughs> it only comes down like a quarter of the way down my thigh and i'm just like well this is this is what you get people oh, man. especially That's like funny. on the days after chemo where you know i've got like those four or five just shit days after chemo where right. you know things are bad you know and i don't really get out of bed much and when i do and you know i went to the thursday night horror film uh the other week because uh you know the local uh movie reviewer ken hanky passed away 
Oh, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, COPD. And uh, he was only in his 60s and just a brilliant guy. You know, I What mean, is COPD? Um, corn. Oh, shit. Uh, you asked. Um, it, it's basically a congestion of the lungs um, that doesn't allow you to uh, breathe. Does it, I mean, is it like um, a sudden it, death, like a heart attack, or is no, it a slow? No, no, no. It's awful? slow. I mean, you you put somebody on supplemental oxygen, and then you know, basically, over the the course of you know months or years, they kind of slowly suffocate, and you <sighs> know, just continue to up the amount of oxygen that they're on, and you lose the ability to do a lot of cardiovascular stuff. And he was a longtime smoker and and movie watcher. You know, right. I mean, Saturday that's what night. he did. Yeah, yeah he watched movies. And, and not and, on a treadmill. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. and he's he's a brilliant guy. Like he wrote a great book about um, Tim Burton. Uh, another one about a director Kim Russell. I'm not sure if you're familiar with. Um, but uh, and then also this great uh, horror horror film companion um, book that uh, was in pretty wide distribution. And he, uh, you know, he really he was a, a local treasure. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, his, his reviews were always, if I didn't agree with them, at least insightful. And, uh, and so he passed away last week and it was, it was right after my key. It was like the day that I went in for chemo. Mm. Uh, I saw that he passed away. And so the next day they had uh, Thursday night horror films that he organized and stuff. And it's, you know, everything from new horror to, you know, Bride of Frankenstein and the classic stuff. And so, I just wanted to really go out and you know it was it was it was kind of a big deal because like I said I go in for chemo every other Wednesday and from Wednesday until Sunday I'm basically in bed mm. you know um but uh, a friend of mine came over and picked me up and like we went down and and it was really one of the first times that during that window of things that I was able to get out but basically what I did was I went in there in like my pajamas and like fell asleep and during the whole movie. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you were like, there for it. I mean, you know, it's like, like King of the Zombies, like yeah. slow black and white, like, you know, semi-racist horror film from like, <laughs> <laughs> well, not semi, it was pretty racist, like, you know, but it was, uh, you know, fall asleep and, um, you know, and, and do that, you know, in the theater. So I've kind of lost some shame, you know, <laughs> I'm not, well, I don't have any, uh, any concept of shame anymore. I'll just pop in in my, my pajamas and watch a movie in movie theater with, you know, 20 other people. Well, which, I think that's know. funny. I mean, I think as I think about it, like I, I just pulling together the things that just came out of your mouth, like older people, yeah, <laughs> they have no concept of shame, usually a little racist. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like <laughs> right. those two things somehow, right. you know, they can go together in a way. But yeah. I mean, I don't know. I also feel like, you know, given what you're going through, I mean, for you to be able to get out and feel a part of an activity, even if you fall asleep in it, yeah, that's invaluable it's, for you. It's it's completely fine. Yeah. You know, I don't really make uh, real concrete uh, just plans anymore. You know, I make yeah. intentions. And when I get to that moment, everybody that I have plans with, we we have basically an ongoing agreement that I could call ten minutes before and be like I'm I'm down and out yeah. I can't do this and uh, and you know I mean we we've been fairly active throughout this this chemo process and just basically when I when I'm down I'm down right I just mark those days off the calendar yeah and then you know I I generally that Sunday get better and then kind of crawl back up to semi-normal, whatever normal means to me right now. It's not right. like normal before all this happened, but it's it's decent. 
it's a decent quality of life where I can, I can hang out with my son. I can do things. I can, you know, go on dates with my wife. We can go out on walks and, and, you know, do stuff, uh, go out to dinner and things. And, and, and so for me right now, that week to nine days of semi-normal is worth the bad. Yeah. You know, and, and I kind of have markers in my brain of like, you know, I, I, I really didn't want to go the chemo route with this initially, you know, the, the things when I, when I got diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, like the things that I did not want were to get a chest port and get on IV and, and get on IV chemo, right. you know, that those were, those were two like kind of big things to me. And, and since, you know, since things have gone the way that they've gone, I've kind of had to let go of those things and be like, okay, well, and I didn't, I didn't have to, but I chose to. Right. Um, cause I do know that there are other directions that I can go and there's a lot of other people who choose to go those other directions, but where I'm at in my life with my relationship to my 10 month old son and my wife, I, I feel like chemo was really the, the option. Um, and, and supplement it with other things, you know, that surround it, acupuncture, my yoga practice, diet, everybody right. like, you know, I mean, if you ever like need weed, you just like tell people you have cancer and it just like <laughs> comes flooding in. It's like yeah. 1995 Grateful Dead tour over my house right now. I mean, it's, it's insane. Like, we you won't know, give out your address. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Please don't. <laughs> but you know, I mean, it's, it's nuts. Like, and, and people are very generous with, yeah. with their ideas of what you should be doing and everything of that nature. Uh, and, and which, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for in some aspects and, and, you know, I always thank them and I'll hear them yeah. out because I'm interested. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm, I'm part of Western medicine as a physical therapist. I don't really think that there's some evil scientist behind a curtain somewhere who, is, you know, trying to kill all of us cancer patients with chemo, you know, right. I think that there's, yeah. there's been a long process of, of trials and errors and treatment protocols and things that have gotten us to where we are now with it. And it's not, it's far from perfect. I mean, it's not figured out yet, right. but at the same time, it seems like, you know, my oncologists believe that the chemo is the best way to go. And I think about it like this, if, if somebody comes to me for low back pain and, you know, I, I went and got my doctorate and, and, and physical therapy and, and we spend time together and I'm like, you need to do this, this, and this. And they're like, well, yeah, but you know, the guy who's pumping my gas told me, you right. know, I, I need to do this other thing. Yeah. I think I'm going to go with the guy pumping my gas. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, the oncologist like they don't know everything, but they go to school for a really long time and study the options. And I think, you know, my oncologists truly do give a shit about me. Right. Like, you know, my oncologist at Duke is this wonderful Indian lady who studies at Yogaville um, under, oh, cool. you know, and, and studied directly under Swami Satchitananda for a long period of time. And, and is just a really, you know, beautiful and caring person who is a new mom so, you know, we have all these kind of parallels. And I mean, she cries at my oncology appointments more than I cry. Really? <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, she like she she cares, you know, and mm -hmm. I don't think that she would 
you know, intentionally steer me in a, in a way that would be negative towards me. Right. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's, I, I, I know I kind of got off on a tangent there and I don't even know where we started, but it, it's, it's something that if I would have, if I would have been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer at a different point in my life, I probably would have just bought a, you know, year long unlimited plane ticket where you can fly from place to place around the globe. Right. Uh, but now being a, you know, fairly newly married, you know, husband of, of four years and, and, uh, having a 10 month old baby and whatnot, I, I, it's, there's nothing I could imagine doing that would be greater than walking around West Asheville with my son on my chest, you know, and like, and yeah. doing that. And it's, and it's such a, a different phase of life. And, and also too, I, if, if this would have happened, you know, I mean, we've had all this amazing fundraising surrounding us. Uh, I don't, I, I, I don't know that I probably would have inspired people to donate uh, <laughs> over $150,000 to my cause. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I was at a much different place at a different point in my life. And, you know, about, about 10 years ago, in 1999, I moved to Asheville, you know, and I think that was really the biggest first step is like having community and accountability and, you know, figuring out how to stop shitting where you eat and like, you know, develop relationships and, and, you know, having, having this sense of responsibility and accountability. And I think that before that I was pretty transient and I would just go from place to place. And when, you know, somewhere didn't feel right, I just figured it was the place. It wasn't me. Right. You right. know, and, and a lot uh, of places didn't feel right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. I'm moving. A whole What's bunch. wrong with this world? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Right. And so, you know, I came here and, and this is, you know, for the most part been home base since 1999. And, and so I think with that in combination of developing a life that has been, focused around service. Um, and then combination of that with developing my relationship with Brooke and who she is to this community and, you know, being where we're at with parenthood and everything else, there's something that, you know, has connected with, with people, whether it's people we've known for decades or people we've never met right. that has inspired people to really give towards, towards our, our, our situation. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that this, this time and, and, and our life is, is really just super strange, you know, I mean, there's so much going on and, you know, we basically, we had our son right. in, in last August and, and then after having him, we had three months of parenthood without cancer. Right. And, and I don't even really remember those three, three right. months. Yeah, well, you're you sleep know? deprived for those three months anyway. I mean, yeah, they're, exactly. They're a tough time for in sure. the best of times. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he was born, uh, our son was born with, um, he was tongue-tied. Oh, so, yeah, right. I remember so that. So yeah. his frenulum that connects the bottom of the tongue to the, bo the, the, the bottom of the mouth, it extended all the way to the end of his mouth. And then the other one up underneath his lip between his upper lip and his gum was connected as well. So he didn't, he didn't really breastfeed for a while. And mm. so we had to go through this really crazy 
um, you know, more, more my wife than me, but I was still, you know, with this, but they, they snipped it and it helped. Um, but then they had to go in with a laser and actually cut it more because there's like a superficial frenulum and then a deep frenulum. So they got the super one, superficial one just with uh, snips, hmm. but then they had to go in and do another surgery. And so for that time period, he, he wasn't feeding at all. Um, you know, he wasn't able to pull milk. So not only did that like, you know, drop him down below kind of weight levels and things, but also my, my wife's production dropped because right. it's a supply and demand course, type yeah. thing. Yeah. So, so, you know, we started talking to breastfeeding consultants and they put us on this crazy 24 hour, every two hour pump and feed schedule, right. which took about 45 minutes to pump and feed each time. So, you know, 24 hours a day, we were just pumping and feeding, pumping and feeding, pumping and feeding. Oh, and man. yeah, it was, it was insane. It yeah. was, uh, it was, it was crazy. And so, you know, that was, that was a lot of those first three months. And then, you know, and then all this changed and the way in which this changed was basically around Thanksgiving time. I, I didn't shit for 10 days and which was completely uncharacteristic like just a weird thing to sure, happen to yeah. me like you know and uh i was getting like doubled over at night couldn't you know I, all my abdomen was just like crushing it was awful um and and so you know i went and saw the doctor he put me on like Miralax and stool softeners and blew it out and like everything got good for about four days. Mm -hmm. I actually went down and did my Iyengar yoga certification during those four days. Oh, where wow. it was good. Right. I remember. Yeah. You're like, I got to do this. Yeah. And I, I debated for a while. Yeah. I was like, if I'm in this shape, I'm not going to go down and do this. Right. But it like, it gave me that window of time to go down and do my certification. And then I came back and actually on the plane ride back, it, like I started having some cramps again. I was like, oh no. And, uh, and so sure enough, it, you know, kind of ramped back up and I went and saw my doctor and he was like, yeah, this is strange. We should get you a CT scan. And uh, so we went in, got a CT scan and, uh, that's when they found the pancreatic cancer. And, you know, I, I actually just had a, a fundraiser the other day that, uh, some friends of mine put together and my doctor who told me I had cancer was in this band and playing guitar up on stage, oh, you know, cool. only, and, in, only in Asheville would your doctor also yeah, be in a band. Uh, also be in a band. That was actually really good. <laughs> that a good band. You know, that's, yeah. That's, that's the unusual yeah, part. Right. Exactly. Everyone here plays an instrument. Yeah. Not well. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, and so it was just a really, it was a surreal thing to like look up on stage and watch somebody who like, you know, six months earlier just told me I had pancreatic cancer, yeah. like, you know, rocking out. Yeah, exactly. And he, he told me actually at the, at the bar, he was, you know, that they had the fundraiser. He was like, that was the hardest thing that I've ever had to do is, is tell you that you had pancreatic cancer, you know, in my professional life. And, uh, it was just like this kind of crazy emotional thing, you know, for, for him. And I, and I understand that because in my realm as a PT, you know, there's times when like, I have to tell spinal cord injury patients that they're never going to walk again, you know, and other, other components like that of like hard, honest truths that aren't easy and suck. Mm. And it's, you know, it's so strange being on the other side of, of that mm. news, you know, and I feel like, and, and it's, it's such a different thing. And it was, it was strange to watch him kind of go through his process and his, his whole, you know, experience 
of, right. of telling me that I had pancreatic cancer and, and be able to identify with that as a medical practitioner and, and realize, yeah, I've, I've done that with a lot of people and it sucks. It's, it's terrible. You right. know, I've just never been on that other side of it. So, you know, yeah. So basically, um, continue to go, you know, this route and went to, went, ended up going to Duke for a long period of time for radiation and chemo and, and uh, it was, you know, it was, it was pretty rough. And, but they were getting me ready for going in and doing this Whipple procedure where they, you know, take out your, the head of the pancreas that has the, the tumor, the gallbladder, the bottom third of the stomach and the first foot of intestines. And then they piece you all back together again. And so, you know, when we went to Duke, like we decided we were going to go with those guys um, just because they do more volume of that surgery and uh, plus everything was really integrated. Like here, we went and saw an oncological surgeon and like, he was like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll get you a, a scan. So, uh, or we'll, we'll go in and, and unblock the, the bile duct because the tumor was blocking the duct that like drains everything out of the, the liver and the gallbladder and the pancreas into the intestine. And that's why I was constipated is because none of those digestive enzymes were getting down into the intestine. And so mm -hmm. I was like turning yellow in pain still not shitting, you know, and just like, you know, it was, it was rough. Yeah. And they were going to schedule me here in town for uh, a, an appointment in January. It, like it was, it was right before Christmas and it was going to be like January 7th, you know, before they were going to get me in to do the biopsy and place the stent so that I could get back to normal. We went to Duke on the 23rd and they had me in on Christmas Eve and like on the table like place the stent, got the biopsy. And we were like, okay, you're our guys, you know, we're going to go with you guys. All right. And so, you know, we started this whole process of, of working with Duke, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm happy about. Um, but you know, it's, 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 it, it was moving towards doing the surgery, getting rid of the cancer and being cancer free. Right. right um, right. and, and so, you know, we went all that route, did the, did the surgery, um, I recovered decent, you know, I mean, it's, they, they said that there were some anatomical changes because when they went in to actually access the tumor, the, the radiation had caused some scar tissue. So they had to go way down, like below my belly button. So I have a 14 inch incision, you know, from below my belly button to my lower sternum where they had to like take all my intestines out, put it on my shoulder access the 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 pancreas from down below you know put it put it cut it out take everything out put it all back together and then put the intestines back in which is weird because you know in my yoga practice i can feel where they didn't put the intestines in in the same way that it was oh before you know i mean there's this really weird visceral type of experience with my practice now um where i'm like yeah that that does not feel the same way and i mean and i've got additional space too just right. because you know, they took a whole bunch of stuff out. <laughs> so, um, it's amazing. It's, Is there like a video of that whole thing? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, not of mine, but of, of, of somebody's on, wow. on, uh, on YouTube. I, if you, if you ever have to have the surgery, I suggest not watching it before, watching it. Okay. <laughs> you know, yeah. but just, you know, academically, sure. Give it a watch. I mean, it's intense. It was 10 hours. Yeah. You know, it was, it was 10 hours and I was in the hospital for about, uh, a week, which afterwards, which was half to a third of the time that normal, you know, normally people were in there. Cause 
you know, I mean, I'm kind of the unicorn of pancreatic cancer, it seems like everybody who seems to get pancreatic cancer are older, right. have a huge list of comorbidities and have been smoking and drinking and eating McDonald's for the last, you know, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, whatever. And here I am as somebody, you know, who is fairly healthy, you know, I mean, I've been vegan for, you know, 20 years, um, do a daily yoga practice. I ride my bike to and from work, right. you know, I, I don't, don't smoke or drink or do drugs and like, you know, and, and that's the only time I really get pissed off <laughs> about this right. whole, whole thing is like, when I see somebody who obviously like doesn't care or give a shit about like health or anything. And, and I'm like, yeah, those people might not have cancer, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I know. uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure they have their own stuff <laughs> that I wouldn't want to trade my situation for anyway. But, um, but you know, it's, there was definitely kind of a, a time period of this. Why me, you know, like, you How know, what, be, what the mean, fuck, like, yeah. why is this going on? Um, you know, and, uh, yeah, just getting over with that. But so, you know, I had the surgery and recovered decent, you know, I mean, it took me a while. Uh, they, you know, they cut me up pretty well and, and, you know, Western medicine is pretty brutal in a lot of ways. I mean, it's, it's rough. It's not a easy way to go. Um, but it's, I, I, I recovered and, you know, got back to, you know, some sense of normal where like I was digesting food easily and I could get out and start doing stuff. And then, uh, I went back in for my follow-up CT scan just to like make sure everything looked good. And that's when they found the two new tumors in my, my liver. Um, and so, you know, they told me that. And so now it's no longer, you know, stage three pancreatic cancer is stage four you know, cause now it's metastasized and basically they were like, what we got for you is chemo, you know? So I right. went in, I debated about it for a while and, you know, talked with my wife and we figured it out and then I decided, okay, this is, this is the good way to go. And, um, uh, well, it's not the good way to go, but it, it's the way that makes it, sense. Sure. I understand and, uh, yeah, it just, it, 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 after, after doing research and, you know, I mean, the thing about a lot of the alternative approaches that people offer is that, you know, there may be some things that are really, really effective. And there might be some really great case studies surrounding that, you know, and, and then there's, you know, urban legends and folk tales and things like that. But a lot of these things that I'd really dig into, you know, didn't really have all that great research to back it up. Sure. You know, chemo for all of its faults has a lot of research involved with it. And I know why, because chemo is big business and, and it, you know, there's a lot of people who make a lot of money off of dying people in the realm of chemo. Right. Um, but at the same time, um, you know, it was, it was, it was interesting. We went in to like review my chemo drugs and talk about everything with my oncologist PA and they, I was reading over my my four drug cocktail of chemo that i'm i'm on currently and three of those four drugs were like derived from roots <laughs> you know really? yeah yeah i mean you know so they're they're these like you know i mean they're still s synthetic right but like the the origin that they're pulling them from are, are roots 
you know? And so like, I I just wonder like how many of the people who are like, you know, telling me like, don't do chemo, like, you know, know that like, these are actually kind of these weird pseudo, you know, normal like things, these natural things that are derived, you know, and put into this other context of chemo, Um, you know, and, and, and I, I have my, I kind of have my my objective markers of when chemo's worth it and if it gets to a place where it's not. And I I want to have at least as many good days as I have bad days. Right. And I want to be able to stay above 100 pounds, <laughs> you know. Uh cuz what's your weight now? Uh it fluctuates between like 129 and 135, 140 somewhere in there. And what was it when you were healthy? Uh 165. And how tall are you? Uh 5'10. So okay. you know, so it's 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 a situation where I think number one, they they cut out a huge they basically gave me a gastric bypass mm-hmm. when they did the Whipple procedure. You know, so my stomach's not as big my, you know, my appetite was really weird. My digestive system was like painful and just right. like, you know, kind of sucked for a while. And then, you know, during the, the chemo, uh, during those four or five down days, I don't really have much of an appetite or eat. Um, you know, marijuana actually has helped with that quite a bit. Um, the oncologist uh, here in Asheville, actually like 10 minutes into our first session, he was like, you know, how do you feel about marijuana? Like, okay, you know, I'll, I'll try it. And he was like, you know, I'll write you the script for Marinol, which is a synthetic marijuana. Um, but you know, we live in Asheville. If you, you know, can get your hands on the real thing, it's, it's more effective. Mm. Um, and so, you know, what I found with a lot of the, the, the THC based, you know, edibles and things like that is, that it, it, it tends to really help with, with um, you know, appetite, nausea, sleep, things of that sort. But the problem is it just makes me too high, you know, mm-hmm. which, which is, you know, for some people a desirable thing. But for me, especially right now with everything I'm dealing with, what I find is that it, it kind of drops a, you know, 900 pound gorilla on my shoulders of the immensity of my situation, uh. you know, because for the most part, as long as I'm sober and hanging out and stuff, I can, I can deal with my situation and I can break it down into kind of bite-sized, you know, things to chew on and, and deal with things piece by piece. But, you know, the psychotropic effects of, of marijuana, which is, you know, in some ways, one of the beautiful things of it, um, is it's uninhibiting (laughs) and it, uh, it can, it can be, you know, like things that, are probably good for me to focus on, but not good for me to dwell on. Right. You know, for long periods of time. And, uh, it can, it can just get really super heavy and, and depressing, you know, to where normally, like if I, if I get to a place where I'm, I'm focusing on in a direction that's not good, I'll read a book or, you know, watch a Netflix show or, or, you know, a movie and, and or go on a walk or do my yoga practice or or something else and i can i can pretty much you know put things back on the shelf and and focus on some other things and then come back to it when i'm in a better place but you know with with weed based stuff what it is is that 
that that 900 pound gorilla like kind of follows me and whether I'm reading a book or watching a show yeah. or walking or doing my practice to where I can't just shove it back onto the shelf. So, you know, what I've found works really well is the synthetic marijuana during the day to help with appetite and, you know, everything. And I'm, I'm on it right now and I can think, hang out and talk with you and like be fine. I was going to ask, you know, yeah. And it's, it's, it's great. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's good. I'm a little hungry right now, but other than that, we're good. <laughs> yeah. but, um, but, you know, then at nighttime I do the, the real stuff where I can, you know, I wait till I start getting tired and then I take it and I just like sleep like a baby, you mm. know, which is great. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I, I'm, I'm an advocate of it, but for me, it's like when to use it and how to use it and everything. It's, it's been tricky, but you know, that's kind of where I'm at with things right now is, um, I go back in with a, for a seat follow-up CT scan on the 18th and that'll kind of show whether or not this chemo regimen that I'm on right now is actually working. And so if it's working, we'll keep on going with the full Fearnox the way that it is, uh, this, this, you know, chemo regimen. Right. If it's not, then we'll look at other options and there's other, other chemo cocktails. There's also a, a trial going on. It's a match trial where they would go in, do a biopsy of the tumors that I have and, and see if there's a specific immunotherapy that would match to the tumors that I have. Um, the nice thing about it is it seems like the side effects from immunotherapy is much less than chemo. Um, the only thing that we'll kind of have to see is number one, is there a match, uh, between my tumor and the treatment? Um, and then I would also have to stop the chemo for about four weeks to clear out my system prior mm. to starting that. And so, you know, if, if things are kind of running rampant in my system right, right now, going without chemo wouldn't be good, right? Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, right now it's, it's kind of a situation where I, I really, I think that ultimately this is, this is probably what's going to get me, you know? Yeah. I mean, whether it's this year, five years from now or 10 years from now, something, some complication, something involving this is going to be what, what takes me out. And, uh, and, you know, it kind of, it is what it is. I, I, I know, I know the numbers with pancreatic cancer, the five-year survival rates, like 8%, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not good. Right. It's, it's, it's pretty shitty. Um, so basically like me living more than 18 months from now is me beating the odds. And so it's, it's this, you know, strange and new place. Um, I feel really thankful that I have this really long time of number one, having free time, right? Where, you know, I can wake up in the morning spend time with my son way more, spend time with my wife way more than right. I would if I was, you know, doing my professional gig and working, you know, full time at a, at a hospital as a physical therapist and teaching yoga classes on the weekend and teaching, you know, different workshops and things. And so I'm, I'm afforded all this time and, and nobody expects anything of me, which is really kind of beautiful. I mean, right. um, I can, I can wake up in the morning and 
for the most part, do whatever my energy allows or do whatever I feel like I want to do. And, um, it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting place to be because this is the first time in my life really where I had a 10 year plan, you right. know, I mean, I was married, had a baby, had a career, had a home that I bought, you know, a, a, a new car that I bought. Like, you know, I mean, I, I had, I had this trajectory of, of things that I actually planned out. And I, and I think for the most part, like that trajectory, all things being stable probably would have happened to a certain extent. And then, you know, this thing comes along and just completely pulls the rug out. But at the same time, I have this opportunity to number one, be really aware of my mortality and, and, and take advantage of time that I have with my family and time that I have just here, you know, doing whatever it is that, that we're doing now right. even. Yeah. And, uh, and it just as easily could have been that I could have been driving down the highway and gotten taken out by a semi-truck trailer or something like that and been here one day and gone the next. And, right. and so I have this relationship right now with, with people in general and, and myself in general where I don't really small talk with anybody anymore. It's one of the, I think it's one of the huge gifts of all this is mm. there's really no, there's no small talking. I mean, people come to me with these like really beautiful and profound conversations about, about shit that really matters. Uh. And, uh, and you know, I mean, you know, I can still small talk about the Cleveland Browns and stuff, but like, which actually is kind of important to me. <laughs> you know? Not that small. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, like the Cavs winning. Yeah, like, it was like the, the Cavaliers just, yeah, run, right. you know, pulled like, an incredible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I like, you know, cried with my like, you, you know, friends. And Good, like, yeah. You know, I mean, it, it meant a lot, you know, but at the same, t like even conversations about basketball become really meaningful. Right. You know, and, uh, and, and things like that. But it's, it's something where I, I get to I get to be very very aware of of the the clock ticking, and and regardless of whether I'm here for you know these next few months or or ten years from now, that's something that I I, I don't think is going to fade. Right is is this appreciation of of life and and presentness and 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 having this relationship with my son where what I'm focusing on right now, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to come in here and do this actually is because I feel like the more artifact that I can leave for him, right? It, it's really important. Yeah. You know, the more that he has referential type of things to who I was and insights into who I was, was, is great in a way that, you know, folks from our generation, I don't think had, right. You know, I was just talking to a friend the other day whose, whose father passed away when they're really young and they have a few pictures and stuff and like, you know, and some other, um, brief VHS tapes and stuff like that, but nothing really, nothing really tangible or where you really get to get a sense of like who that person was. And so you know, I, I'm, I'm really focused right now. I mean, this evening, actually, I'm going to be meeting with a woman to help me write a legacy letter, mm. you know, and, and something that 
you know, something that could be read at my funeral if, if, if it comes to that something. And, and then another letter that I can write to, to, you know, my son and, and just helping me kind of organize my, my thoughts and how to process and do that. And, you know, this, this whole concept of like leaving breadcrumbs and, and being able to put things out there in the world where if he's interested in like knowing like who his dad was, that he can get a, a good sense of that. And, you know, and I think that that comes in a lot of forms. You know, my, my cousin came over uh, from Ohio and we spent some, some time together and we did like a two hour interview. And a lot of it was based on, you know, like he and I's experiences together right. and talking about those. And, and then, um, you know, everything from the freaking Purina one dog food commercial that we, <laughs> you know, did <laughs> that like, you know, has like three minutes of footage of like me and me and the dogs running around fields and stuff and talking on, you know, camera and whatnot. And, and then, you know, recordings of me teaching my yoga classes and other things of, I've, I've started actually thinking about if, if I'm not here, who would I want to teach like Harper to do different things if he shows inclinations towards mm. them? So, you know, who would I want to like teach him how to throw a baseball? Right. Who would I want to like teach him how to surf if he wants to, or like, you know, or if he shows inclinations towards woodworking or like whatever, right. you know, I'm just kind of like making those lists and actually reaching out to people and being like, Hey, you know, if, if this is, if this is what happens, you know, will you step up and do these things if he like needs that? Right. You know, cause it's, it's an intimidating thing. Uh, you know, I, I don't really feel all that much fear of dying in all honesty. You know, the, the, the process of fundraising and seeing all these names and, and messages and phone conversations with people who's, lives I've come in contact in one way or another has really helped diminish this like fear of, oh man, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have lived, you know, in this way or done these certain things. Um, and, and, and it's been really, really great to be able to just reflect upon life and realize like, yeah, I, I, I lived a good one, you know, like there, there were a lot of things that, I did, you know, I, I feel like I lived a really healthy balance between hedonism and, and serving, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to where like, I, I feel like I got like, you know, a lot of that stuff out of the way and then was able to like, you know, do good things with the perspectives that I had because right. of it. And, and so it's not like, it, it's not a fear base of, of dying other than being afraid of losing my relationship with my wife and son you know, those, those are the things that like, I don't, I don't want to lose. Like I, it scares the shit out of me to like, think about my wife as a widow entering into her forties and having to navigate like internet dating, you know, for right. the first time, you know, I mean, we, we started dating before that even existed, you know, and I just don't want her to have to like, go on to tender you know? <laughs> maybe she can do better than tender yeah, i hope so you or, know but or even just like think about like yeah. that whole process and and i you know and i don't want to like have somebody else raise my son right you know and that's the stuff that like freaks me out yeah 
it's it's that's the stuff that's really hard to swallow with this whole thing. And but other than that, you know, I mean, it's not like, oh man, I wish I would have, you know, gone to India one more time, or I wish I would have like, you know, saw Iceland, you know, right. or like, you know, do do these things. I really like, want to see Iceland. Yeah, way, I, I so can, <laughs> yeah. Maybe we can work that out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know, you can do some of both. Yeah, like, it doesn't right. have to be a one way ticket yeah. around the world. It'd just be like a little round trip to Iceland with yeah. your buddy Jason. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. A big thing. I know. Well, and I've actually been talking about Leave on a Monday, it. come back on the following Tuesday. Yeah. You know? I know. Not miss an appointment. Third world countries are kind of out because of my immune system. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. and, and plus the fear of and coach, being... coaches out too. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'll be in coach. Right. My health <laughs> sounds is fine. Good. Yeah, right. First class, let me know yeah. how the trip went. <laughs> right. Yeah, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, third world countries are completely out plus the fear of being in a third world country hospital, not speaking the language possibly and like yeah. trying to explain like what's going on. But Scandinavia? Yeah. It can only get better. <laughs> yeah, that's right. A, that's an upgrade only, in healthcare. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's an upgrade in healthcare, probably an upgrade in sanitation. Yeah. You know, I'd probably like walk into the hospital, they treat me for free and I like walk out and the nursing, you know, nursing staff probably isn't, isn't a downgrade either. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> so all the priorities are covered yeah yeah so you know i mean it's a it's a weird place to be as a 37 year old just like you know it's not what i expected or was planning on whatsoever but like i'll tell you on a on a personal level and and also on the on the level of the things that i hear back as feedback from people i connect with through this experience this experience has has been meaningful you know it's been something that um has forced me to like get out of 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 this kind of monotony or or taking things for granted and right. whatnot which you know i mean i i practice yoga I, you know i have a dedicated practice and and that's part of the job of of practicing is being able to be present and, you know, not take things for granted and not rely on your habits and things like that. But, um, but this has really, uh, forced the issue and, and some things that I thought that I was maybe doing pretty well, um, has kind of shined some light on it and shown mm-hmm. like, uh, well, you know, you did all right with it, but like <laughs> you weren't quite doing it at that level of, of awareness. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, I was on the, I was on the phone with a, a friend of mine who, um, you know, his son lives in, in uh, Chicago with his mom and, uh, and he, he's living in Richmond and, and it, you know, he, through my, my experience, you know, he was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, sh- why am I spending my life and time in, in Richmond? And he decided to move to Chicago you know, and is like making all the plans and stuff. And he was just like, I just want you to know that like, you know, your experience is what pushed me to this, you know, and made me realize like that these are the things that are really essential and, and that, and that, that really shouldn't be compromised on. And so, and I've, you know, I mean, that's, that's an example, but there's been a lot of experiences like that that have Mm -hmm. been kind of conveyed to me. So you know, it's, it's been something that, you know, it's been meaningful to me and it's been meaningful to people that surround me. And that's really all I can ask for with this whole weird process. Well, I mean, I think 
what most of us want from our life is to leave a positive impact on the world around us and yeah. to influence people in a in a inspiring way. I mean, that's yeah, that's why people make art and music and and we do most of the things we do. You know, it seems like I remember I was talking to someone about just I was blown away. Just, I was just blown away by the community uprising to support you guys. You yeah. know, um, and somebody said, I don't know who it was. They're like, you know, Ryan's helped a lot of people. I was like, who are these people that are giving $10,000 or whatever? <laughs> Some, you know, I was like, he's like, yeah. he's, he's saved people's lives. He's really made an impact on people and they're really grateful. And the fact that they can do anything, you know, meaningful to give back to him. I mean, yeah, it's really, they're incredible. grateful for the opportunity, you know? I mean, yeah. so you were doing this already. Yeah. Like this was already your, we're both about to lose it. <laughs> um, this is already your uh, relationship with the world, you know. So it hasn't changed; it's just taken on a different shape. Yeah, and I, I don't, I don't like this role, <laughs> really. You know, I don't, I don't like the role of being the receiver. Uh, uh, oh, know? that role. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I feel much more comfortable, in all honesty, being a person that can like help out, you know, and step in and be the facilitator for that. And it's taken me a really long time to be okay, really, with people giving me, you know, $10,000 <laughs> and like, you know, and this thing. And, and I, and I, and I know like, yeah, people have expressed this over and over, like, you know, this, this makes me feel like I'm contributing to your situation in a healthy way. And so this is meaningful to, to them, but it's not, it's not easy. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't like even just the, the tinge of being a charity case, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and so, I mean, the, and it's all my own shit, you know, I mean, it's all my own stuff that I have to like get over. And I'm, I'm, I'm supremely thankful on the other end of that, you know, I mean, it's, it's incredible and it's beautiful. Um, but it's weird. Yeah. It's a it's a it's a role that I'm I'm not all that comfortable with and not used to. And it's a it's a it's a process of 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 being okay with it. I mean there's so many people who have given in so many different ways right. that like every conversation that I have should just like begin with thank you. <laughs> you know? Right. I mean it's I, we, we saw somebody the other day who, you know, went into their store, bought some things and went out and we were like, oh shit, we didn't say thank you to them. Like, because they'd given us, you know, right. like something towards the auction and, uh, you know, that just went on and, and, uh, and, and, you know, and I don't, I know they don't care, you know, like I, I'm sure they don't, you know, like they're not like those bastards, like, you know, we gave them so much and they didn't even say thank you or whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's it's a weird relationship. I mean, it's like we uh, we got given tickets to the symphony the other night uh, a while back, and and we went there and saw saw people that we knew, you know, and everybody that we had a conversation with. I felt like I needed to begin the conversation with, oh, we were we we were given these tickets. This mm. is not like what's your money that you gave us like for medical expenses is going towards, oh, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's, Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
where resources that we're being like abundantly given like is 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 going towards you know and it's something that like churns in my mind and i'm i'm really aware of and it's probably you know i don't i don't know that too many other people are probably like thinking like that like what the fuck are they doing at the symphony like you know they should be home broke <laughs> you know or like you know it's it's but it's a weird relationship because you know we're we're given all this you know, a, a financial support and, you know, different types of support. And, you know, and, and I, I have to imagine that some people have, you know, thoughts of where, where that should go. Um, you know, but I, I have a, I have a strange relationship with, with being able to like, you know, spend it on symphony tickets, which we didn't, but like, if we did, like, you know, that's where we go, or we are planning on, you know, taking a, a road trip out West. Right. And it's just like, okay, well, is this, is this where this money should go, you know, or, or should it stay in a, you know, in a purely medical fund or should it be for Harper's college if I'm not here anymore, you know, or, or what, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a conundrum of what to do with, with this amazing, you know, abundance that people have given us that have allowed us to move forward in an uncompromising way with my treatment, um, where it's not a conversation that my wife and I needed to really have of, do we stay here in town and t take the level of care that like is still good quality, but right. like Duke was way better, but it was out of network. Right you know, and they were just integrated. And, you know, my radiation oncologist was talking to my chemo oncologist and they were talking to my surgical oncologist and they were having team meetings about me. Whereas everything around here was, you know, nobody, the right hand wasn't talking to the left and, yeah, you know, yeah. everything else. And so, you know, we were able to make that decision without like, oh, well, should we spend this money here or what should we do, you know? And so it's it's given us like this amazing you know, affordance of that. And, and it's given Brooke an opportunity to step away from the intensity of work that she was doing with her dressmaking shop and, and, you know, and to be able to be with us, you know, with Harper and I, and, and really, you know, be, be a mom and, and be grieving and, and be going through this stuff and be processing and, and us to spend as much quality time together as possible. And, and, you know, going back to this whole kind of extended dying process that I'm going through, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a, it's a weird thing because, um, I watched my grandfather pass away. Um, I was, I was like 25 and he died of, of cancer and, and I watched like my grandma and him be so much more affectionate than I ever saw them be before mm. and just be really raw and honest and open and it's been a huge inspiration for me with my relationship with Brooke uh, and, and, and with Harper and, and really with everybody of, of being as open and raw and honest and trying to leave really nothing left unsaid, you know, which is impossible, but, you know, at least moving in that direction. Sure. And um, being able to just share, you know, this experience and, and make sure that people know that I love them. And, and to, you know, if I like trampled on some toes along the way, like be like, Hey, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> like right. I was a stupid kid or like I was at a different place and like 
not doing life well, you know, or as well as I hope I'm doing now, <laughs> you know. Um, so it's 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 this extended dying process of of being able to like try to leave this world right, yeah, you know, and and leave it with integrity and and you know, and, and I, I don't think it matters again, whether I'm, I'm here for the short term or a longer term, you know, and, uh, moving forward with that sort of intention, I think is really, really huge. So, yeah, I, um, it, it's, it's such a, the, the relationship that I've had with the people who have given so much to our family has been really, really beautiful. Um, and, you know, Brooke and I sat down and we had to make a decision about how we were going to convey all this information to people. And so we've been really public with this whole journey, you know, and, and this whole thing. And, and, you know, we were talking to a friend who the other day, who's more introverted and she's like i can't believe that you guys do this like yeah. you know i would never ever do this and and I, I mean there's some there's some downsides of it too because you know i mean i walk into a restaurant to go grab a bite to eat and i get the cancer face from like you know right. eight people i don't know <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like the oh you got cancer you know yeah. like i feel so bad for you guys you know and 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 that's like it's okay you know, right. I mean, <laughs> I uh, have a lot of conversations with people where like they're crying and I, I like, I'm kind of at this point with it right now where like every once in a while I'll like try to cry with them because I feel like I should, but I, I can't, <laughs> you, <gotta laughs> you know, like, yourself. yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I'm cried out, yeah, I'm cried <laughs> you know, out. like, yeah, sure. you know, I mean, talk to me at the beginning of this, like, you know, I've, oh, you I've missed out for a while. You totally should have called <laughs> me a few months yeah. ago. I was yeah. crying all the time. I was crying, I would, I, I would cry with you. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. No problem. I just, I'm, you know, <laughs> oh, that's funny. I had a moment when I was uh, preparing for this today where I had, I was deciding which chair to give you, uh -huh. you know, and I didn't know which chair, they're both uncomfortable. Uh -huh. And I didn't know which <laughs> no, chair was more uncomfortable. <laughs> and I was like, well, do I give myself the comfortable chair? Cause you know, I need to be able to focus or do I give it to him? And you'd be, and I, and I was like, <laughs> do I give it to the guy with cancer? And I, and I was like, am I allowed to make jokes about the guy with cancer? Is only the guy with cancer allowed to make jokes about yeah. having cancer? I had this whole inner dialogue, yeah. which is now public. Yeah, right. uh, but it was funny. Like I had that, that moment, you know? Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, uh, it's, it's nice because like, you know, I'm like middle-aged white guy that like, you know, never really had anybody that I could make fun of, like the way that you Jews do, yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, yeah, like, you know, I mean, and so now I have this whole realm of cancer that I can kind of poke fun at, like in a, you in mean a, in a self, in a self-deprecating self way, yeah. way <laughs> you know, yeah, you still, even with cancer, you got nothing on the Jews. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, and then yeah. Jews also get cancer. I mean, yeah, just, right, yeah exactly. Like, who do you right, think yeah, you are? Right, I know, <laughs> you're yeah. so out of your league right I know, now. Yeah, I, I can't even believe you're trying. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I finally just ruined this whole interview for, for anybody who was on my side. 
You got to go anti-Semitic this, yeah, this right, far exactly. in. Exactly. I, I almost had everybody, and then you know, yeah. it all you know, listen. The thing is, when you perform comedy, you like it, it's all about making them love you, and then losing, yeah, them, right, bringing them back. and then how to bring you them know, back it's, in. You know, it's, it, <laughs> yeah. it's just one way all the time. It's yeah, boring. yeah, right. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, you have to build that tension. <laughs> yeah, last night that happened. I performed last night. I had one of those disastrous performances last night, and um, and it wasn't my fault like i was in a place i went to an open mic that's for music uh-huh. but we went a couple weeks ago and said can we perform comedy here he's like oh yeah people do that every now and then you know it'll be cool it'll be a nice break and i in my fantasy i thought people would be thrilled to have a break yeah. and just like want to have <laughs> want to be entertained for a second there was this group of like 10 women in this corner not all women a couple guys but the voices i was hearing were the women <laughs> And they were so loud. And when my friend went up first, I shushed them. I was like, shh, you know, because like it's comedy. <laughs> and they looked at me like I was the biggest dick in the world. <laughs> right. And then when I got up there, I started my set by saying, I was like, I'm an only child, so you're going to have to give me a lot more attention than you gave Nick. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, no way. Yeah. But, you know, like, I was yeah. like, can you guys just be quiet while I do this? I was like, nope, we're not going to be quiet. <laughs> and they were just, they weren't. And they weren't quiet. Yeah. They were so loud. And, and then, so I had like, you know, two guys sitting on a windowsill who were paying attention. And then I had these three people, two men and a woman and to the, a pair of them were a couple and the other guy was the friend and I had their attention and they were mostly enjoying it. You know, and like, I always, first thing I get out of the way that I'm Jewish Yeah. and you know, one person's like, woo. And I was like, oh, there's always one other Jew in the room. <laughs> And this guy's like, yeah, I'm like, are you Jewish? He's like, no. It's like, oh, you're a sympathizer, though. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and so, like, you're Jew lives matter. Yeah, yeah. So, Jew lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I haven't seen that signage no, yet. Me neither. Yeah. Um, we should, we should, we should definitely it. make one. Yeah. yeah. Jew lives matter. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, okay. So then I made some joke. I don't know. I made some joke about relationships and women, and the guy, was like sided with me on it. It's like, dude, don't laugh at that joke in front of your girlfriend. She's beautiful. <laughs> and she's going to end up going home with me instead of you. Yeah, right. And that's going to be bad for her. And then like him and his friend like got a little like not cool <laughs> yeah, with right. that remark. And then some other guy said to Nick, he's like, I think your comedian friend's about to, you know, get his ass kicked. <laughs> but uh, they were fine. I mean, it was nothing at all. I would, I, yeah. I would have, I think I would have known if I was in danger, you know, <laughs> right. um, but uh, it didn't even occur to me because they they stuck it out. They were going to go get a beer. I'm like, where are you going? You're most of my audience. I'm talking <laughs> yeah, directly right, to you. Exactly. Like, Nobody else is even like, paying attention. Uh, and they're like, okay, okay, we'll stay. And that was after that happened. So it was yeah, like, so it, it was, was cool. It was simpatico. But yeah, it was funny. I mean, it was just like, oh man, it was such a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, there's just nothing more pointless than shouting into a room where no one's listening yeah. to you. Yeah, I um, could only imagine. Oh, it's so tough. Yeah, but you do those gigs to like. Yeah, you I know, mean, it's one of the nice things about being a yoga teacher is like you know everybody pays attention. They do pay attention, but <laughs> and they're quiet. They're, yeah, know? they're quiet and they pay attention. Uh, you know, I've had classes that were full. I've had classes that were empty. Yeah. The empty class is the equivalent of the talking room. You know. It's yeah. Like, right. Exactly. Um, of the shit set. Yeah, but I mean, sort of. I mean, it's just in terms of like, what am I doing with my time? Yeah. You know? Sure. But. Uh, but even like I, I teach a lot of yoga workshops. I and for a while I had a weekly class, uh-huh, yeah. and my yoga workshops I now realize are performance art opportunities. Uh, yeah, for me. right. <laughs> so I like to book workshops so I can go perform yeah. for people who are I actually do have their undivided attention. I, I I completely agree. You know, I mean, I I taught my first class in six weeks. You know, this this last last Sunday, yeah. and uh, 
and you know you were there but it was it was uh it was it was a uh, it, it almost felt foreign at first you know and mm. i and it was the first time in a while where i kind of had kind of a little bit of anxiety oh, creeping in, you know because now my my yoga practice is so much different um mm. you know i don't i don't do a really rigorous practice sure, yeah. i do you know restoratives and pranayama for a majority of it and i'll do a little bit of active every once in a while but you know normally i i teach teach what i practice right and now i'm kind of on this other side where i'm not practicing it and uh and so i, I have to teach kind of from memory and from reading about it and other mm. you know books and and from you know this other perspective where it's different because you know, I'd, I'd plan my class the night before I'd go practice what I was going to teach. And then I'd make edits depending upon what my practice was like. And, and that was, you know, the, every, every class practice, you right. know, that's what I would do. So, you know, this was the first class that I taught in a really long time, really long time in general. But, um, you know, it was also this whole new format where I wasn't, I wasn't teaching what I had just practiced in the room next door. Right. You right, know? Right. And so like, it, kind of was anxiety inducing, you know, in a way that like, I was, it was kind of alien, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and I, uh, it took a little while to get, get past that, but yeah, I think there is like a level of, you know, anytime you get up in front of people, you, you have to be captivating, you know, and like, yeah. and how to, how to demand that attention. You know, and, I just and get up and straight up demand it. Yeah, I'm like, I, <laughs> right. that's how I start every yeah, show. I'm an only right. child, so I need your undivided yeah, attention. Right. That's yeah, like, yeah, and I'm an only child who's an Iyengar yoga teacher who doesn't, <laughs> you know, doesn't worry about yelling at people anyway. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, know? I know. I was at a therapeutic yoga conference recently, and I taught there, which was, an, I oh, mean, wow. a great yeah. opportunity. You know, yeah. and and uh, it was a 7 a.m. class. People were there early, and I'd stacked up all the eggs, and I was very clear. I said, take two gray ones and four colorful ones. And people were just pulling from every stack. They were stacked <laughs> perfectly for people to take them. And I was like, you guys are not listening at all, you know? And they were so offended. And I, and I just said, listen, yeah, I am, man. you know, I'm not an anger teacher, but I learned in that lineage and I'm, <laughs> right. I'm authorized to yell at you if I want. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was like I, an inappropriate yoga I, guy. You know? I love teaching people who are not of the lineage. Oh my know? God. They're just I mean, shocked the whole yeah, time. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Because people are used to it. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, if you ever had a chance to study with anger himself, like, or, you know, or any of the senior teachers, like you just, you know, you expect. It, oh yeah, you know? no. If someone's not yelling at me. Not I assume a, they don't yeah, know what right, they're or doing. Hitting, or hitting me in the back to yeah. like, you know, wake something up or yeah. you know, doing something. I feel like, oh, I must, you know, be doing something wrong. <laughs> I know the thing that I had the hardest time adjusting to when I took a class at the therapeutic yoga was like, if you feel like it, step your right foot forward. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, step right. your right foot forward. Yeah, right. You know, not exactly. if you feel no, like it. This yeah. is the thing. If yeah. you can't do it. Yeah, we'll that's one that. thing. But this isn't like a choice. Yeah, you know, exactly. This is, this is not. Right. We're we're going somewhere yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, and I'm and, I'm in the front of the class. You're doing what I tell you to do. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like, and if it's an issue, we'll talk about yeah. it. Until then, right. yeah, don't just make this, do this up for yourself. <laughs> just do this so, because yeah. hopefully the teacher's coming from a place of more experience. You know, where they've premeditated what they're going to be teaching and how yeah. they're going to be teaching it in a meaningful way, and it's. You know, it's not it's not this willy nilly lackadaisical like whatever you feel like doing do right. You yeah. know, it's like no, we're I I know where we're going. You know, and I'm going to take you step by step 
hopefully how to get this experience. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know, and and if and depending upon how intensely you follow and how much you pay attention depends upon how much you get it. You know. Yeah. And and that's I think that's one of the beauties of the method. Right. You know, is is there's and and for me, I'm I'm not you know, much of a new age guy or like, you know, willy nilly, like I, I like to call it new age more than new age. You right. Know? And, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm somebody from Western medicine. I resonate with that. And I feel like, you know, the Iyengar approach to yoga is so pragmatic and practical and, and makes sense and gives really profound effects, but in, you know, through practical means. Right. And that's what I, that's what I really, you know, resonated with because I spent, you know, I started practicing when I was 18 and, and, um, you know, I, I was a yoga tourist for a while. I'd pop into classes, you know, see what they were like and experience them and, and whatnot. And I kept on coming back to the Iyengar system, you know, because of, of the level of integrity that it has and the level of, of, of pragmatism and, and effectiveness, that that's really really beautiful and the way in which it's conveyed and uh in a no-nonsense manner and i'm just i'm I'm so thankful because it's 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 something that you know you, you've practiced iyengar yoga and and so i don't know how much of the audience has but i mean it's something very adaptable it's something that you know is based upon you know active asana work. And then also, you know, there's this whole other component of, of restoratives and, and pranayama and meditation and, and these other components where, um, I, I think that in a lot of schools of, of at least Hatha yoga, if I was involved with, um, there wouldn't necessarily be as, as fluid of a transition into what my practice is now. Mm. Um, right. you know, because I feel like even though I'm not doing as much active practice or standing poses or rigorous practice, I can still progress. And, and I think in a lot of ways, it's actually challenging me to be even more sensitive and, and more uh, aware with my practice. Because if I, if I overdo, or if I do things in a, in a, a, a way that is not facilitating my current, you know, reality uh, being, uh, what it is, I, I, I pay for it. Right. You know, quickly. Probably. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Pretty quickly. You know, I mean, yeah. I, it, it lets me know, like if I, if I overstep my boundaries or allow my ego to push me into something that wasn't appropriate for me or, you know, um, it's, it's something where it, it lets me know. And, and so I, I've developed a sensitivity where I can catch it before I go over that the falls, and right. and I can I can practice in a way that's really facilitating what it is that I'm, you know, going through right now and how it is that I'm, I'm uh, I'm I'm having to live, and and you know the other thing too that I think is really amazing about the anger system too is is was we have all these incredible senior teachers, and you know my teachers who, you know, who I study with had, you know, 40 years to study, you know, directly with, you know, BKS Angar and, and, you know, have developed their own practice over a long period of time. And, and so I, I, they're, they're such amazing reference points for me. So if I get stuck or if I get, you know, into a place that's not making sense, or if I, 
you know, am having questions about the practice, I, I, I reach out to them. And so there's still this whole teacher-student relationship that is, is really beautiful and really profound and, and being able to ask them questions and, and have them be very free and open with their time uh, from somebody who has walked this yogic path for a sustained, sustained amount of time. Right. Um, and I think in the, the current reality of kind of fast food yoga teacher trainings, you know, where, you know, people go in for a, a short period of time and come out with a certificate and, you know, hang up their tile and teach. It's really refreshing to have, you know, teachers who have that level of integrity and have that level, level of knowledge base. And, and it's, uh, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really thankful for that. Right. And, uh, it's, you know, I, I get, I get reassured over and over again that, yeah, I, I, I chose well picking this lineage to go deep into, um, you know, and it wasn't from a place of not exploring other things. It was, it was from, you know, comparing and contrasting a lot of different approaches to this practice. And this was, this was the one that continued to come back and, and, you know, not only the integrity of the practice, but the integrity of the person that it came from, from BKS Iyengar, you know, I feel like he had, he lived his life with, with integrity from, you know, my, my interactions with him briefly and, and through, you know, reading about his life and, and, you know, hearing about his life through senior teachers and things of that sort. And I think that's really the, the fountain that it all kind of comes from. Yeah. That was the, like, striking thing when you know he dropped the physical body or however people like to describe it yeah not a shred of like you know there were no skeletons coming out of the closet there was yeah. nothing to hide there was nothing that had been hidden that which is really refreshing there. in today's oh, environment yeah, so you know and you know and um and i mean the fact that we think it's unusual and refreshing that's the problem <laughs> yeah that is but, it's huge but uh nevertheless it's awesome that that's how it was. I mean, yeah. And that's, that's my favorite thing about the younger system. And, and more than no skeletons coming out of the closet, just, you know, beautiful story after beautiful story of, of like interactions and, right. and ways and, and which, you know, he affected people's lives and, you know, his relationships with his students and things of that nature. It's, it's, yeah, I, I, that, that actually was, was what, you know, cause I'd been teaching yoga for, about 10 years at that point, you know, right. when I decided that I was going to become a certified Iyengar instructor and, and it, it, it kind of culminated right around, you know, when, when he passed and, yeah. and I was like, okay, you know, I, I want, I want to do this. Um, I want to pay homage to this person and his work and try to convey w what he did and stand on the shoulders of the work of this individual in a way that maintains integrity of what he was trying to convey and also also is 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 able to use that as a, a really solid platform of of where where my practice is and where my teaching is and and to continue to explore from that platform but that be where i stand right and so yeah it's 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 good because i you know, I think there are a lot of people who are very quick to create fusions, <laughs> you know, um, between different modalities and different approaches to the practice. And then, you know, Tai Chi yoga, like 
aerials and you know all these other things that like all get mushed together in a realm of you know of 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 things where i'm not certain how often there's uh an understanding of the underpinnings of each thing that they're borrowing from before they mesh it all together right you know and I, and i think that's one of the unfortunate things because you know yoga is a practice that's been practiced for you know thousands of years and it's it's developed and changed but i think especially when you you know dig into the yoga sutras and the upanishads and the bhagavad gita and things there they're underlying things that have have driven this practice and have have maintained integrity over a long period of time and maintain meaningfulness to people over a long period of time for transformation and and that's one of the things that I, I, I hope doesn't get lost in, in, in Western approaches to the practice. Because I mean, when I tell somebody, you know, that I teach yoga or practice yoga or whatnot, that's not a yoga practitioner and things, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I love to stretch, you know? And that's usually where the conversation starts. Right. Or, you know, or, oh, well, no, I like Pilates or, you know, things like that, that are great. You know, I mean, I'm not poo-pooing Pilates or anything like that, but it's, it's a it's a different it's a completely different aim right you know and to like put them into the same pile i think is is uh is not appropriate you know i mean yoga lotties yeah right exactly and so you know and i mean i i get up on my soapbox and i'm i'm gonna you know to a certain extent an evangelist for Iyengar yoga yeah. you know i mean it's it's what's affected me in a profound way and i I want to share that with people and I want to, I want, you know, people to understand why, right. You know, why it affected me and, and how, and, uh, I mean, it, it's been, it's been huge because I feel like the amount of, of mule work that I've done on the front end of this practice of, of, you know, uh, you know, 18 years of, of, of really solid foundational, you know, work. Right um has has really made me kind of prepared for where i'm at now with it and and I, I, the the practice is not necessarily always fun right now because it's a mindfulness practice that is forcing me to watch things slip away mm. you know and so like you know my strength level is not what it was you know i'm i'm not i've lost a lot of a lot of asanas that i practice that just aren't a practical or appropriate for me anymore. Um, and, and so it's, it's hard, you know, yeah. I mean, I went down to the Iyengar yoga convention and, you know, 1200 people and I'm, I'm over on the side with the, with the trestle and the, you know, the backbenders and chairs and the 80 year old women and, you know, people with MS. <laughs> and me, and, if I'd... Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 and, and, you know, and the pregnant women over yeah, here yeah, and yeah, like, you know, I and, used to say yoga over 50 was appropriate for yeah. me until I took yoga over 50. I was yeah, like, right. I need yoga over 60. Yeah, right. Just keep on pushing. Yeah, the 50, those people are too strong. Off into the distance. Yeah. You know, but, you know, for my whole experience of practice, I'd be in the center room and the instruction gets given and I do it to, you know, 100% of what I'm able to do it to. Right. And for the most part, it's, you know, it's... Uh, able to be done in something that looks similar to what they're asking you right. know but that's what a younger yoga is best for it's yeah. all about Ad adaptability yep. and and being able to make it 
meet you where you are right and then allow you to progress from that place right and i think that yeah he he really created a a, a system or an approach that allows people to you know come to that with a with a even playing field and and but it, it's it's still strange to be 37 and six r- months removed from being in the middle of the room yeah you know doing whatever was asked and here i am you know over there you know kind of going back and forth between doing some of the things that are asked with you know oh no did did a little bit too much there right. you know I'm going to go lie down and do some restoratives right now, or I'm going to watch and see what's going on. And it was, it was a different, completely different, you know, perspective. And it was, it was, it was strange, you know, it was alien. Um, And so it's, it's caused a lot of, you know, change uh, in a really short amount of time. I mean, there's times when like, I feel like I've kind of aged 40 years in this last six months, you know, uh, especially where I'm at with my chemo process. Like if, if I'm in my downtime, I'm like, I feel ancient, you yeah. know? And, uh, and it's, it's, it's something where it's, um, just bizarre. Uh, it, it's, it's unlike any sort of reality that I've ever known. And, and I, I'm I'm just really thankful to have had that foundation of the practice because you know, like I said, I was in the hospital for a week. Most people are in the hospital for two or three weeks, right? Um, and I was able to bounce right back and and start to, you know, recover and thrive. And I think that, you know, the way that I was living life prior to this has really afforded me a lot of opportunities and freedoms that a lot of people don't have whenever they're going through this. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm really thankful for, you know, making the choices that I made and prioritizing the things that I prioritize before this happens. So it's, it's been something where I have, um, a foundation. Cause I mean, one of the things that I have asked a lot of my patients as a physical therapist, when I first meet them is, you know, what do you want to get better to do? And, um, you know, and a lot of times I'll kind of get this blank stare in return of what do you mean? Right. You know, I mean, cause we have this kind of ongoing, uh, joke of we, we get people better so they can go home and watch more TV, <laughs> you know, mm, um, right. you know, and, and just kind of go back to that life. And it's, it's, uh, you know, it's that, that is a lot of people's reality. And, uh, and believe me, I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's weird for me to say that too, because my mom just bought uh, cable TV for us, which is, <laughs> uh, which is, is strange because <laughs> I, uh, I haven't had t- television in the house since I left that, their house. Right. And, and, uh, did she buy it for her or for you? Uh, I think mostly for her. Yeah. Uh, she, you know, she, she wanted it and, and she like, you know, she likes watching television and things and, and I, I didn't trust myself because I was brought up as a television child. And so like I basically took five years from like 1995 until 2000 where I didn't watch any television or any movies or, you know, if the television was on, I'd just like walk out. Mm. And, uh, and, you know, and, and until I got back to this place where I could kind of have a relationship with it. But now, 
it, it's actually really, really nice because I get to watch Wimbledon. I get to watch like right. soccer and stuff like that when I'm in my downtime and I, and I can come to it with a place of moderation, you know, cause it's just like, gosh, I just do, you know, I, I was like, man, am I going to like regress back to like where I was as this like television child of watching five hours of television a day or something like that crazy? Yeah. Um, you know, and not to mention like I live with my mom again and like this whole like anxiety <laughs> right. about, you know, regression. Um, but, you know, but the... Uh, it hasn't hasn't happened that way. I you know I get up and like record the tennis match that I want to watch and edit all the commercials out sure, while I'm right, watching yeah. it. Now it's it's a beautiful thing, but um, you know, but I, I feel like with with my yoga practice, it's in this strange way, it's something that I've actually been able to progress with through this 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 weird thing that I'm going through, and um, really getting a lot of insights into um, into my practice and why I practice. And, you know, I was talking with one of my teachers not too long ago and he said right now, you know, your job from now until you die is try to reach Samadhi. Mm. That's it. Like, you know, you know, study the yamas, niyamas and, you know, practice asana and pranayama and meditation and things. But your job is to try to figure out how to make it to samadhi before you go and and die with samadhi mm. and um and i've taken that to heart yeah you know it's like okay i don't have i might not have all that much time i might as well aim for the target and go straight to it yeah you know as close as i can and with the understanding that i have and the knowledge base that I've been able to accumulate and my understanding of the practice. How do I, how do I get there? And, uh, and that's, that's been huge, you know, and the whole process of, you know, when I started practicing yoga, I was, I was atheist, you know, and I now think, you believe in all the gods. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. You know, yeah. I was, You're yeah. just so extreme. Well, I've, I've transitioned into ag agnostic at least, you know, and then I think through the continued practice of yoga, I've at least gotten to this place of optimistic agnostic, you yeah. know, but it's at least given me a framework from sure. somebody who was brought up in a house that had no religion, you know, no real spirituality to think of other than be decent to people you know, and just kind of, you know, no structure to that, to even giving a framework to even approach the concept of God, which, you know, as I'm dying, it yeah. becomes all the more important concept to like even start to think about and approach, you know, but, but it, it I'm, I'm really thankful to, to have kind of the structure to even like start to look at that whole thing. Sure. You know, and, um, and then, you know, how to surrender the actions and the fruits of my labor and the future fruits of my practice to something greater than myself, you know, in whatever form that is. And it, it can be, you know, what I consider to be like the practical God of, of, of service and like, you know, with, you know, one-on-one -on -one or, you know, the big G-O-D, like, you know, concept of over, overlying, you know, everything. Yeah. I mean, I have so many 
I spent so much time in that discussion. I have so many thoughts on it, you know. Um, but I think like a couple of things that really strike me this, you know, um, one is the way you talked early about, you know, let's say you have 18, I mean, I can't even, it's hard for me to say it, but let's say you have 18 months. That was the way, that was, these are your words. So I'm borrowing from you, sure. you know, how do I make the most out of those 18 months? And, and, you know, you were saying, you know, that you're a retired individual at 37. And so you have a lot of time, you know, and I was, it struck me like your um, ability, and I almost want to call it a luxury, but it's clearly the wrong word. Um, but you actually can have more quality time. Well, I don't know if more is the right word. You can have a tremendous amount of quality time within that 18 months. Yeah. Hopefully longer, obviously. Sure. Um, then, you know, many people would think to make a point of having over 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Like we get so wrapped up in our lives. Like the thing I'm most obsessed with right now is how much of every day of mine is spent just dealing with the practical shit how much time I spend doing dishes and laundry and, you know, communicating with people in ways that I don't need to, that aren't even fun. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and, uh, and just like, it's just the, the amount of, and believe me, I still spend a lot of time on, on phone with insurance companies and like bullshit that sucks. Well, but <laughs> yeah. Know? Okay. You're right. That's like your version of, of that at the moment. Yeah. You, you have to do that in order to facilitate the care you need and everything else. Yeah. There's um, still the the dishes to be done. <laughs> you know? I thought people didn't expect anything. You're like, I'd love right. to do the dishes. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, my dishes now are you know being on the phone with the insurance company yeah. for hours at a time, or my disability claims and shit like that. You know, so. Oh man, wasn't yeah. there like a Seinfeld where John Lovitz? I feel like John Lovitz was was on Seinfeld and he had a toupee. <laughs> And he was getting all these women because he had a toupee. And so George had a toupee. And then there was something about he, he started telling people he got, got the toupee because he had cancer. Like, I don't remember if he had it or not, but then everybody felt bad about making fun of him. So it was right. like the whole thing was he he'd, uh, structured it to his advantage. Something only Larry David yeah, what would have. have the confidence yeah, to address. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it is it is something to really think about, though, the... Um, like how we spend our time, you know, I, I remember a friend of mine, we had the same spiritual teacher for a while and she was visiting and he was doing a book signing and he inscribed stuff in everyone's book. And, and in her book, I don't even know what he wrote in mine, but I remember what he wrote in hers. <laughs> in her book, he wrote, um, don't waste time. Yeah. That was what he said to her. You yeah. Know? And like, and this guy really had the ability to hone in on the main issue mm -hmm. and bring light to it. Yeah. You know, like a really uncommon ability to do that. What, I think one of the, the kind of seesaw issues for me, you know, that it is really difficult is, is, is that concept that you're talking about right there of how to not waste time 
at the same time as I lay in bed for half half of my life right now. Right. You know, I mean, because I'm forced to because of my yeah. my chemo and everything like that. You know, I mean, for five days I'm I'm in bed. And and so and when I've tried to push through that, because initially that kind of don't waste time motto was like purveying through my head. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm here I am laying in bed. And, and I didn't really know at that point really kind of what the cycle of chemo was going to look like. And I was like, gosh, am I just going to like waste my life away laying here in bed? And, you know, um, but I, I decided I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to get up and try to do things, you know, and not waste time and, and go and, and do these things. And it was, it was awful, you know, cause I was, I was trying to, trying to be in a place that I wasn't, mm. you know, I was trying to be in this like level of, of productivity or meaningful time or like, you know, doing things with, with people, but my energy wasn't able to carry me for that. And so, you know, there's really been a, a balance between surrender of, okay, you know, I'm just, I'm just down and out. This is what I'm doing right now. I'm surrendering. I'm, I'm out. I'm sleeping. I'm, you know, not doing anything. I'm antisocial. I'm not really leaving the house. Um, and then, you know, when the energy returns, how to transition into this other half of my life right now where I can start to do some things. And, and it's such a, it's such a weird dichotomy to live half of, half of life down and out and surrendering. And then the other half don't waste time. Right. You know, and, and, and be able to, um, maximize the time. And, and that Sunday where the clouds start to part and, you know, things start to get good again through Wednesday is kind of that transition period where stuff gets really weird during those times because some days during that transition period or some moments or some hours, um, I'll be at the, you know, down and out phase. And then, you know, then I'll, I'll be like, okay, I feel decent here. So don't waste time, you know, but then like, I, I might've overdone that a little bit on the don't waste time. So I have to go back to the down and out, right? you know? And so it's just like this, those three days of transition are the strangest, strangest components between that and how to navigate that. Because when I'm good, I'm good. And I won't like, you know, I won't allow things to just become mundane or, or wasted time. Um, but when it's, when it's something that is, um, you know, really just uh, more ambiguous, I think, that's where I struggle with it yeah. is, is okay, where am I at now? And it, it takes a, a lot of, of self-study and like being, being aware and being present and, and it, it, it's, it changes. So, I mean, I think that on that level, like the preparation of, of yoga practice has been really huge and, uh, and, and something that I don't, I don't know how many folks who enter into this like, you know, whole shitty like cancer phase of life have as a precursor, you know? I mean, I have an uncle who's going through it. He's older than you are. Um, he has, I want to say he has colon cancer. I don't want to say that. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but uh, great phrase. But I think it's actually, here's what I really want to <laughs> yeah, say. Exactly. Uh, I, I I'm I'm pretty sure it's colon cancer. Um, maybe not, but it's something. It's digestive area, but it's not this exactly. Mm -hmm. You have yeah. um But you know, it's he's been going you know on and off through chemo, and uh, it's funny. It's like he and I, and really thanks to Facebook, it's like we have more interaction now than we ever did. I mean, he's really a step uncle and my dad's technically not even married to his sister anymore, but I mean, she will be my forever stepmom. I mean, mm -hmm. she's a huge part of my life, my daughter's life. And, you know, whether or not she's still married to my father is irrelevant in terms of my relationship with her yeah. and by extension, my relationship with him. Um, but, you know, he doesn't have yoga mm -hmm. by any means. Sure. And he smoked plenty of weed before he got cancer. I think he probably smokes less now, <laughs> which, um, and, uh, you know, but it, this is a guy who I think, you know, um, didn't really find his purpose in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, and he needs to watch the jerk. Yeah, he, he was also born a poor black child. <laughs> yeah. um, he uh, and it was kind of interesting. Like he he through I think through Facebook he fell he reconnected with his high school girlfriend. They fell back in love and got married. And he was really I would say I don't know him well enough to say this, but I still think it's true. I think he was happy for the first time in his life <laughs> when he turned sixty or something. You yeah. know, and and then two years later found out he had cancer like he was yeah. finally happy <laughs> you know and this woman who like left her husband and i mean that marriage was yeah on its way out sure but she left her husband it really changed a lot of things with her family she's very religious so you know getting divorced was in and of itself uh conflictual but she did it she was back in love with her high school boyfriend and you know she and they're still together and she's <laughs> but you know i mean for her, like, in a different way, you know, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> like, right. you know? Yeah. Um, uh, but. Oh, man, I can only imagine, like, what m my wife is, is going through right now. I mean, it has to be something so much, you know, I mean, in, in some ways, so much harder and so much more challenging than what I'm going through. Um, yeah, I mean, it it's has just, a different it's, it's set of different. challenges. Yeah. It, it's just different, you know. I mean, it has to be something that, like, I I can't even imagine. Like, I can't imagine, like, going through this with her. You know, right. if 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 the, the if the roles were reversed. Yeah. And I mean, like, I can deal with this. Like, I can't even talk about that without, like, you know. Yeah kind of freaking out right now <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. i i don't you know that could just and, be the, and that, that's not even something that exists talking. yeah right exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's not something that exists but even yeah. just like even approaching that concept yeah. like freaks me out yeah you know? sure. and so yeah. like i mean i i can only imagine and she's handling it beautifully like she's doing a really good job of it and being able to you know deal with with like this stuff in a really uh, heroic way and like you know is is doing it really just incredibly mm -hmm. in addition to being a brand new mom and like what that entails and 
you know, and, and living with her mother-in-law now, and which, right. you know, my mom, my mom is a saint. Like she's incredible. She, um, she's there when we need her, you know, she's in, incredibly helpful, but then also like is very mindful about making sure that like Brooke and I maintain our space and like our normalcy and is, is doing, you know, her role in this whole thing so well too. This but, is when not coming from a Jewish family really works to your advantage. Yeah, right. <laughs> there is no Jewish mother-in-law yeah. who'd be capable of anything you just yeah. described. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, I, and it's, it's crazy too, because I have a 95 year old grandmother who lives by herself in Ohio, who my mom was helping take care of. Uh, and, and so became she became the more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so she left Ohio and my 95 year old grandmother to come down here and take care of me, Yeah, you know, which, which, crazy is crazy to me you know and like and sucks you know like i want my mom to be able to be there taking care of my grandma but it's undeniable like how much help she is and really like i mean we 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 couldn't be doing this in the way in which we're doing it without her right you know i mean just the fact that i'm here with you right now and not having a baby like on my lap screaming along with this interview like right. is because she's watching him <laughs> you yeah. know she's watching my i know son. we had the baby when i interviewed your wife oh yeah right. video. yeah so, yeah. Uh, yeah i mean and so just having her there to like you know just make everything easier and take care of me when i'm down and out and take care of harper some days yeah. and like you know uh, we've a blind dog who we just got diagnosed with diabetes the other day like who the fuck does that happen to like (laughs) you know we adopt this blind dog and like you know find out she has diabetes like like a month ago and so now we have to give her insulin shots twice a day in addition to this like special diet and like it's just it's crazy but like you know she's there to like my mom's there to give her shots and stuff when i'm not able to and it's just you know it's so helpful but you know i mean that's part of like my wife's reality like i mean there's no way of you know living with your mother-in-law that is not <laughs> you know just different from the the normal the not living with your mother-in-law. <laughs> yeah right yeah. exactly yeah. and they have a wonderful beautiful relationship yeah. but still it's it like life looks so much different than what it did when she like signed up for all this and said her vows on her wedding day yeah. <laughs> you know and I mean, I mean, it was all in there, like the commitments and yeah. everything. But yeah. <laughs> if you go back and review the tape, yeah, right. <laughs> sickness exactly. and health. Yeah, right. Uh, exactly. You know, it's all there. those things were implanted. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. I remember. A friend didn't of think mine, it was going to work out this way. I had a friend who he suffers from, he suffers from depression, and he went through a depression pretty early in his marriage. Mm-hmm. And I was talking to his wife about it, and she's like, "I just don't, you know, I didn't sign up for this." I'm like, uh, yeah, you did. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember like I wanted, but I chose not to discipline her in that moment. I just mm-hmm. wanted to be supportive. But I was like, you totally fucking did sign up for this. Like, yeah. this is what marriage That's is. Like, it's not, marriage yeah. is not like, I just signed up to be happy with the guy I'm in love with. Yeah, right. And share you know? share rent. <laughs> yeah, right. And, and tax benefits. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I know. I'm, when Sula was born... Um, you know, Georgia and I just moved in together, you know, sort of shortly before the birth and, um, cause that whole situation is unconventional. Um, and then she was, she was born three weeks early. And so her mom, who I'd only recently met, uh, and her stepdad, they pretty much moved into our house for like a month, huh. which was fine. I mean, yeah. it was, they're great, you know, yeah. um, 
never in a million years did that occur to me that that might happen. <laughs> like I, I hadn't, I'd never had a kid. I didn't know, you know, um, I just didn't know. Yeah. But I was like, wow, we've got, I, you know, I used to say, cause this house is ridiculously huge and, you know, we're in a room right now that used to be an exercise room and I've rented it out to people and now it's just filled with furniture and crap. And, um, but when I moved into this house, I lived here by myself and I used to have an exercise room and a yoga room and a meditation room. And those were different rooms. And, <laughs> and I had an office, which was, which doubled as a guitar studio because all my recording equipment was on my computer. So that was the only <laughs> dual purpose room in the house. Right. And I used to say I had one room for everything. And then after Georgia moved in, I had one room for everything. <laughs> <You know? Right. laughs> Suddenly I got downsized yeah. to just one room. So, oh man, that was an adjustment, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Man. it's uh, it's 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 uh, definitely. I'm so thankful to be married, though. Right now, yeah. Oh my god, I I could only imagine, like, and I I think like where Brooke and I were at with our relationship, anyway, she wouldn't have like headed out. No, <laughs> you but know, it's, it's... but to like have had to have this like relationship that like we established over a really long period of time and then to like have that and and make the conscientious decision to get married and then make a conscientious decision to have a baby together um all preceding any of this happening sure um you know i mean it, it's it's huge you know i mean i'm i'm i i i couldn't imagine like going through this with somebody I was dating, <laughs> you know, yeah. regardless of whether we were dating for, for five you, years yeah. or yeah. three months or whatever, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm just like the, the family unit like has, has just become so much stronger through this. And it's, it's, it's been really pretty amazing just to, to watch that happen and to share that relationship and, and, you know, yeah, it's, I, I, I don't think either one of Brooke or I wanted to really have kids when we got married. Mm. Um, but like we, we actually had a miscarriage and, um, you know, it was, it was a surprise pregnancy and, and, but it, it allowed us to like kind of tap into what, what parenthood would even maybe even look like, right. you know, during that time of pregnancy before the miscarriage and it allowed us to go forward with the intention of having a baby together and and to go forward with us in kind of the same place and the same set of intentions of of parenthood and uh yeah it's it's our our, our relationship and our family is just like in this really surreal and sweet place um you know cuz it could all get shaken and crumble apart like you know, at any time, but at right. the same time, it's, it's really just beautiful and rich right now. And, uh, in a way that I've never experienced in a relationship, you know, and I think for both Brooke and I, we, you know, prior to us getting together, we, we kind of joke that if we would have met in every, in, in any other time in our life, we probably like would have hooked up and like, you know, a couple of times and see you later, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause we were, you know, we were vapor trails. Like we would, you know, hang out until somebody got attached and then like, Oh, see you later. Right. You know, but like we met each other at the right time of life where like we were kind of ready for one another and we were able to like 
struggle through like developing a relationship, you know, where we dated for six months and then I went away and did my doctorate of physical therapy, like four hours away. So like after six months of dating, we did three years of a long distance relationship Oh wow! and then, you know, came back and then we lived in a 600 square foot apartment in the back of our dressmaking studio. So like, it was kind of like, okay, if we can live four hours apart and do that pretty well right, and see each other on the weekends and talk on the phone and then, you know, be each other up, up each other at each other's asses in a 600 square foot apartment. Right. Um, and we can do that pretty well. Then we've got it made. Right. We have what a, can't like a, we? Yeah. We've got a what normal house. Like, you yeah. know, we're going to be like, yeah. yeah, sailing along. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm just so thankful for that relationship though. It's, it's, it's something that continues to just be really beautiful and, and awesome. Well, I can only imagine. Literally, I can only imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Right, um, I've got to go eat. I think it's about my time. To... All right, man. Well, that's yeah. a nice way to close out. And yeah, thanks for doing this. And um, you know, uh, you're such a unique guy. You know, thanks, um, And you know, this fe- the I feel like I'm so much better friends with you than I am. <laughs> like, that's that's like the way I think about you. I'm like I'm like oh yeah, one of my best friends Ryan is coming here. I'm like best friends. We've never We've, hung out, yeah, right. you know. But it's it's like when I show up for class, you have this way of of uh, greeting me like. It, it's like oh my god i was hoping you'd come like <laughs> and and i've talked to people about that like, oh yeah that's exactly how i feel like that is how you make people feel well, thanks and it's that's fun. an unbelievable gift yeah it's it's how i hope i, I come across well they, you seem to do it effortlessly so don't thanks. don't if I you mean, say hope i'm gonna think it's, you know, calculated. <laughs> i mean yeah I, I i i don't like it's it's nothing it, it feels effortless you know to yeah. be able to connect with people and um and i think it's one of the like one of the things that i've for one reason or another been given or developed you know to be able to connect with people and 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 you know i mean i was i was on a career path for architecture and uh i was sitting on a computer for 40 hours a day yeah and uh and i was like no this isn't it you know like i need something where i'm going to be like connecting with people because that's where that's where my abilities lie, you know, and I, I recognize that. And it was something where, you know, I mean, I, I, I love, I love people, you know, and I love being able to connect with people. And, and I, for one reason or another, whether or not like we have a relationship together that's developed over 10 years or, or, you know, we have a relationship like we have, which I, I value, you know, in the same manner. Yeah. You know, it's it's something that I'm I'm just really the the people that I'm able to connect with and, and share life with is just is just really, really important and uh really special. And so I'm 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 happy that that like gets conveyed in, in our interactions and and hopefully the you know, people that I interact with on whatever level I am interacting with them. Cause it's, I think it's pretty clear that that's, I'm not the only person who feels that way. That's, that is 
your way in the world. Thanks, I appreciate it. Because, uh, yeah, it means a lot. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about, like, what I'd be remembered for, kind of like what legacy I would leave behind or what impression I would leave behind. And, and you know, and I, I, I haven't created a lot of, like, you know, artifact in, like, you know, the art world or... I haven't made a lot of music or right. anything like that. And so, you know, it becomes a little bit more ambiguous. Like when, when David Bowie died, he left this huge legacy of right. like all this stuff, you know, or Lemmy or whoever, you know, you know, whoever else has died of cancer this year, <laughs> you know, all the shitty things. We like, can't all be David Bowie. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, you know, but like, you know, I mean, when you think of David Bowie, you think of Ziggy Stardust and like all the amazing sure, stuff that he yeah. did. And like, and it's like, well, you know, what have you done? You know, and, and I think that that's, that's one of the things that I can like feel pretty good about hanging my hat on is like, I've had the opportunity and the ability to connect with people and share something through those experiences that I know is meaningful to me and I think is meaningful to like those people that I've shared experience with. And, and those experiences can come, like I said, with people I've had relationships with a long period and, and, you know, people that I've just met, you know, and just to be open and free to that is, is, uh, one of the things that for one reason or another, I feel like I've been gifted with. So nice. Yeah. All right, man. Well, I feel like I've been gifted with <laughs> knowing you and just, you know, and, and having these opportunities to just be this personal with you, you know, it's, uh, it's a gift and I'm, you know, glad to be able to share this, you know, with your family and let this be a part of your legacy. Yeah. yeah. You know? I appreciate that. Cause that's definitely, uh, that's important to me right now. Cool. So, all right, man. Well, if you ever want to come back and yeah, you think of more things you want to say, <laughs> right. you want to extend the legacy, I'm here. You see, all I'm right. in this little room. <laughs> yeah, I'll right. be here. I'll just, just come knock. Just knock. Three a.m. <laughs> I just done this other thing. I just, yeah. I, I'm on this new weed and it kind of keeps me up at night. And I and knew and, where you lived. So here I am. So I figured easier if I just come to you. Yeah, exactly. So uh, can we crank it on? Yeah, just know, turn it? on the microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with this. <laughs> So, All right, man. Yeah, thanks, Jason. It was about a year ago when I invited Ryan over to record this podcast. I knew he had cancer, and I hoped this could serve as a piece of the legacy he'd be leaving behind for his son. I fully intended to release it while he was still alive, and I am, of course, racked with guilt that this never happened. I wish he could have heard it. I know he would have enjoyed it. But it wasn't really for him. It was for everyone else, and I believe they will cherish it. I hope you will too. This is one of those times I feel deeply humbled to have this podcast. Episodes like this give the whole thing meaning. I really miss my friend Ryan.